I am convinced that if we don't plan to do better, we won't do better. Doing better takes preparation. If we keep going around the same mulberry tree and stepping in the same hole, it's going to be hard to learn. Yet, God has given us the ability through his word to change. Today we're going to be looking at a passage back in the book of Leviticus. As you know, we've been doing our study in the book of Leviticus. And over the last few weeks, we've had to take a detour. And anytime you take a detour in the Word of God, you are always on course. We're going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 24, beginning at verse 10 through 17. Then we're going to look at a passage in Exodus and the book of Numbers. What does God mean to you? If you had the choice of going to church or going to a party, what would you choose? (laughs) My brother said a party at church. (laughs) I assume today that there are some people that went to a party on Saturday and couldn't get up on Sunday. Some went to a party on Friday and slept through Saturday and still couldn't get up on Sunday. (laughs) People make promises and people break promises. We at times say things and wish that we could take it back. I said some things and as they were leaving my mouth, the Holy Spirit says, don't say it. I said, I want to say it anyhow. And as they floated out of my mouth towards my wife, the Holy Spirit said, don't say it. And when it got here, it was too late. And when it hit, I said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Today we're going to be looking at a story in the Bible where some of you may have seen it before, some of you may not have, but this is where we are in our study. And It is most interesting because if we could take back words that we said, we would. There are some statements and words that leads to death. There are words that leads to life. And so we always have to be mindful when we're looking at God's word of what we say. And God said to the individuals as he was Given them the direction, he said to them, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. The story of this particular young man today as we read, I hope will cause us all to ponder what we say to God, what we say to one another. In your Bibles, Leviticus chapter 24, verses 10 through 17, reads, Now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites, and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed 
the name, notice that capital N, name, meaning God, with a curse. So they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelemith, the daughter of Dibri, the Danite. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head. And the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, he will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The entire assembly must, must stone him, whether an alien or native born. When he blasphemes the name, capital N, the name of God, he must be put to death. If anyone takes the life of a human being, he must be put to death. Verse 22, 23. Verses 22 and 23. You are to have the same law for the alien and native-born. I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the Israelites, and they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him. The Israelites did as the Lord commanded Moses. Turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 21, verse 17. Exodus chapter 21, verse 17. Anybody's having a problem locating it, it is the second book of the Bible. Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 15. Verses 32 through 36. Numbers 32 through 36. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. The fourth book of the Bible. Beginning in verse 32. While the Israelites were in the desert, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses. And Aaron and the whole assembly. And they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death. As the Lord commanded Moses. If you would bow your head with me. Today, Lord, this is the day that you have made, and blessed be the name of the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. We honor you today, and we thank you for your righteousness, your grace, your glory, and your mercy. Give guidance and wisdom, understanding. Help us to delve deep into the word. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The title of this message is My Anger, My Words, My Life, and Judgment. My Anger, My Words, My Life, and Judgment. As we've been studying the book of, of Leviticus, looking at passages and going through, we are at this place in the study where we look at the purging, or let me just say this, we look at a situation where a young man is brought before Moses and put into custody. Now understand, when the law was being given at Mount Sinai, it is interesting to note that while the Lord gave Moses many laws, there was not a law at the time for every situation. Many of the laws could be applied. And so when this matter is brought to Moses, the young man is put into custody. There are other situations that we read in the book of Numbers where the law was given, but there is a specific situation and there needs to be consultation with God in regards to what needs to take place. The purging of evil is key in the carrying out of the punishment set forth by God. The purging of evil, evil. I think that people forget what capital punishment is meant to do. People want to feel good about capital punishment in the sense of let's make it palatable for us that we can feel good about it. It is to punish the crime. All punishment is not corrective for the person. Yet, in God's grace and in God's mercy, we look at how God in the New Testament was willing to forgive a woman where the, the religious leaders brought her to Jesus hoping that he would say stoner even though they let the man go. If we're not dependent on the word and the grace of God to help us, we would all be lost. If God wasn't merciful to us, none of us would stand a chance. The Old Testament say you commit the crime, you die. Or receive whatever the consequence is for that particular punishment. Be glad you're not living under the Old Testament. <laughs> regardless of what, of what one might think about capital punishment, regardless of what one might, might think about capital punishment, it was instituted by God and ordained by him. I know people go and stand out by San Quentin, Folsom and different places, when a person has committed a series of murders and the time comes, I understand. But capital punishment is what God put in to place. Do you not know that all of us were on the slate to be killed? And another person stepped in and took your place and mine? If there, had, if there had not been a substitution for you, you would be eternally condemned. Our understanding and lack of understanding can never be compared to the all-knowing mind of God, and therefore, obedience to God's word always should supersede what we think 
what we even might think is best. God's word is the final authority. Who are you going to appeal to if God says this is has this has to happen? Who who are you going to say I appeal your decision? Who who are you going to? You better hope you can find the remedy before you get to him. <laughs> And he establishes. But here we look at point number one. A foreigner is subject to the law of God. A foreigner is subject to the law of God. There is a tendency to forget that people are people. And sometimes people in the Bible are given an elevated status of humanhood. Somehow they should be above doing certain things. Give you an example. When we look at the children of Israel, how they came out of Egypt, we often say, oh, how could those people do that? How the Lord was right there with them and took them through the Red Sea and how the Lord took, went from in front of them and went behind them and separated them from Pharaoh's army and then drowned Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. How could they turn their backs on God and begin to to rebel and complain. Well, that represents what we do. They, you, We say, if I was in their shoes, have you ever said, I would never have done that? Have any of you ever said that? I don't know what they were thinking. I never. Careful. If you have said, I would never have done that or I would never do, the people that we oftentimes look at and shake our heads represents us in our day and represents what we would have done back then. Do you not know if you were in that first generation, you wouldn't have made it to the promised land? You wouldn't have made it to Canaan? No, no. Unless you were Caleb or Joshua, you weren't going in. You would have been right there in the desert saying, we are tired of this man of God. Give us some meat. Tired of this chicken. Give me some ribs, Lord. Oh, 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 they couldn't eat ribs back there. Excuse me, y'all. I'm messing with you here. (laughs) Anytime we crave for something beyond what God has given, there's trouble. We have to be careful. We can crave, and yet there's a way to approach. So when we look at this situation, we have to be careful. And I think that we should begin to say, what would I have done if I was in this situation? God give me wisdom to be able to respond in a certain way, in a way that would be pleasing to you when I'm faced with a similar situation. That's where grace comes in. That's where God says, I like that prayer, rather than say, hmm, I don't know what they were thinking. Hmm, I never would have. Be careful. We have before us the identification of a mixed marriage. An Israelite woman has married an Egyptian man. Automatically means that their child is not native born. We see in this verse, verses 10 and 12, that some Egyptians left Egypt 
with the Israelites. This is an indication right here. When the Lord said that some of the people left with them, we find right now there was a marriage of an Israelite woman and an, and an Egyptian man. We're not told how the parents met. We're not told how they met. And we're not told who married them. That information is not given to us. But the name of the mother is, although the name of the father and the son are not. We are not even told how the fight broke out. But that is not even where the emphasis is being placed in this story. Let's take a look again. Verses 10 and 12. Now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites, and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed, blasphemed. Which, how does one blaspheme the name of God? We're not told what he said, but we know that it was serious enough that when he cursed God, blasphemed the name that the people that heard him brought him to Moses. And Moses, and the Bible says, they put him into custody. Now it's interesting that the Bible said that this, they put this man into custody. Why? For the purpose of discerning what should be done. What we do know is that this mother is from the tribe of Dan. Now, you need to know that when the children of Israel went to Egypt, there were 70 people that were there during the time that Joseph was there. Joseph was already in the land, 70. Jacob and his family went there. Jacob's sons, who was also called Israel, his sons are, are represent, are, are the 12 tribes of Israel. Those that descend out of Jacob are called descendants of Jacob. The children, his children is 12, and one of his sons' name was Dan. So we find that this mother is from the tribe of Dan. How this fight broke out between this Israelite, the Israelite man, and the, and the Egyptian and an Israelite, the issue is not even dealing with who he is, is just for the point of identification. He was half Egyptian, half Israelite. When the fight breaks out, and maybe the other person got the better of him, I don't know, in his anger, the Bible says that he blasphemed God. Now, I know some of you wanting to know, what did he say? Give me all the details. Have you ever been in a situation where you want the details just to have the details? You just want to know. Ain't, go, ain't got nothing to do with it. Just want to know. I, I, you just want to know. Well, Moses left that out of it. He didn't tell you. Now, some of y'all want to go make up your own story and put some words in there. You don't know what he said. Um, can anybody tell me, what was the name of that fruit that Adam and Eve ate? 
Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> we don't know the fruit. No, I'm teasing y'all. But we do know this. They ate from the tree that God says not to eat from. <laughs> How many of you like doing stuff you, that you've been told don't do that? See, we like to do it. We just don't like the consequences. We need to get to the place that we like what God likes. That we pursue what the Lord says that we need to pursue. And that we honor God so much that we, we are so careful to guard what we say about him. This young man, in his anger, said some things about the God of Israel because he was mad with a person that evidently he got into the problem with. His anger was directed then to God. Now, note this. When those that were around heard him, they didn't bring the other guy. They said, he said this about God. The fight was not, no, that was not the issue. That was not the longer. How are you going to have two million people and not have squabbles? Can't have two, over two million people and expect everybody to have a good time in playland. But in his anger, the Bible says he blasphemed the name of the Lord. Verse number 12. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. I like that particular passage because it tells me that they didn't rush into judgment. You see, there are a lot of people that's making accusations and jumping to conclusions about what should be done before the Lord says, this is what, this is what needs to happen. I like what Moses did. They put him into custody. It was, it was evidently such a serious offense that they said, we got to take this to Moses. Now, I want you to know something, some scriptures that I did not read that I think that I need to briefly look at. In your Bibles, let's take a look at um, past 17. Let's look at some of the things that God says. Verse number 18. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution. Life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, whatever he has done must be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has injured the other, so he is to be injured. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution. But whoever kills a man must be put to death. What what is happening here? The Lord is placing a value on human life. Note carefully. With the animals, the Lord says restitution is to be made. I know that we have some animal rights lovers. And they will put you in jail for hurting an animal before they put you in jail for hurting a person. The Lord is making a distinction right in this passage that 
animal life, although important, is not as important as a human. You didn't die for killing an animal. You had to make restitution and add interest to that. But the Lord did something. Note what happens. As the Lord is giving Moses instructions, he then further goes, he goes further and clarifies some other laws that he has already given in regards to now circumstances and situations that might arise and lets him know this is how it's to be handled. And so he mentions in this situation how transgressions are to be handled with animals and people. The value that God has placed on human life. Now in verse 13, God's answer to Moses is put the blasphemer to death. Which brings us to our second point. In your anger, don't blaspheme the the name of the Lord. In your anger, don't blaspheme the name of the Lord. Whatever the fight is I mentioned that happened, Moses is not even addressing that issue now. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 17, if a person was to be put to death for cursing their father or their mother, it is not surprising that the Lord says that he has taken my name and blasphemed it, put him to death. Remember that when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and talked about how his name was to be honored. we got to be careful putting a lot of other adjectives behind God's name. Other phrases. Why does God's name have to end in something that is derogatory? When we get upset... We don't cuss and curse ourselves. We cuss God. We use his name. What What did God do? <laughs> Whatever this man did in his anger, he turned his anger towards God. It is important where your anger is directed. And how? To God. And so this young man said something, and the people said, ooh. And he's brought into the presence of Moses. Today there are many kids who have cursed their parents. And continue to. I cannot fathom saying, having, if my parents are living, I couldn't fathom saying certain words. I, I, form, I don't think I could even have a dream about saying, I would be in trouble in my dreams. My, my, my dad would say, boy, what you dreaming? And my mom would have been right there saying, yeah, get him, Fred. Get him. You know what happens when we go across the country? Where are you going to go in the car? Yeah, I'm going to go escape out the window. You get in trouble. Come on up here. I don't want to come up there. Way in the back. Put your hand over the seat. Yeah, get him, Fred. <laughs> get him. Mama, don't egg him on. He don't need no encouragement. What do parents get this idea that they need to encourage their spouses to, oh, this is Mother Cal said, they are one. Yep, get them. (laughs) 
But when we look at Exodus 21:17, and if and if and if a child was to blaspheme or curse their parent, and he that curses his father or his mother, mother shall surely be put to death. It is hard to gather being in a room in a meeting, and I hear certain words used. Takes all I have not to go. What? I told you this once before that there was a kid that was disrespecting his father in the room, counseling room. The father kept telling him, "You better stop." And this kid kept right on saying and disrespecting father. You better stop one more time. The father was big, and uh, I told him. And he thought evidently that I was going to provide some protection. Because he was thinking that parents aren't supposed to hear that. Father got up, pow, knocked him, knocked him and the chair over. Your dad told you to stop. That's what my words were to him. Okay, let's keep going. I think that individuals have really misunderstood the law. And today... The enemy has twisted things so much to where parents are threatened and told, you can't whoop your child is against the law. That is not correct. Law in California does not say you cannot spank your child. People that are in the legal field will tell you you can't because that's their personal belief. And that's the way the trend happens. You know when something starts as a trend, many people pick up on it. But there's no law. They say you can't abuse the child. But currently at this time in the state of California, you probably don't probably won't last forever. Spanking is not against the law, but abuse is. Too bad they didn't know that when we were growing up. <laughs> Anything and everything goes. Shoes. Hangers. Fly swatters. Anything can be thrown in my mouth. Don't have anything close that she can throw duck. Anything available and handy was picked up. <laughs> you going to use that? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm out of here. <laughs> That's why I learned to run so fast. Today, there's a culture that the enemy has set in place that has twisted things so much to where children now say, you can't touch me. Because I'll call the cops on you. And let me tell you, some unknowing officers and unknowing workers will come and follow that child's advice. Kid acting like hell in the house. Then somebody will come back up, are you okay? Take them with you then and raise them. Now, do I wish I had done something, some things differently? Yeah, but, but spanking, oh, that was just going to be part of it. That, that, that was always just a part of the equation. Now, if death in the Old Testament was the result of blaspheming, children would welcome a lot of spankings today. If death was the ingredient, it was part of the equation for blaspheming your parents, you see, it's dealing with a child who will not accept correction. 
A person who will not accept any chastisement. God's laws were to prevent a person from losing their life. And so we find ourselves with this young man having blasphemed God. And the Lord says, now put him to death. Now I want you to note something as we quickly go through this and we'll end soon. The Bible says he is to be put outside of the camp. Now, who was put outside of the camp? What's the significance of that? You know, lepers could not come inside the camp. If you were leprosy, leprosy was very contagious. And and so lepers had to call out unclean when a person got within a certain feet of them. Unclean, don't come too close. People that had sinned, the Lord had put outside the camp, even when God got angry. You know, the Bible says that God's fire flared up outside the camp. When the Israelites made him upset, the anger of God's fire, and, and, and Moses had to pray for him. God, 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 and the fire of the Lord, the Bible says, died down. They better be glad it flared up outside the camp because God was about to burn up some people. Take them outside the camp. Whenever there's sin, there has, there has to be a separation. And when we think about sin, sin separates us from God. You get this, right? Sin is a separator. Put that person outside the camp. Then those who hurt him are to place their hands on his head. Now, that's, that was the rule oftentimes when a sheep or a goat was brought to the temple, they had to place their hands as identified and placing their sins on that animal that would be offered as a sacrifice. And then there was the scapegoat that was allowed to leave the camp. Put him out in the wilderness. And I tell you this, you never saw scapegoats coming back into town. You know, some people, they'll say, they left and all of a sudden they drive. No, the scapegoat was gone. They, they would push that joker over a cliff, they said. They came, that joker, we're making sure you ain't coming back. So even though he was allowed to leave, according to history, it's believed that they would then, somebody would go kill that scapegoat. Can't bring that back here. What, what, was, what was the point of them placing their hands? Those that heard it put their hands on him, saying that we've heard it, and now we are placing the guilt right back on you. We have nothing to do with it. And so they were to place their hands on the head of that young man, and then the community. The Bible said stone him. Sometimes, isn't that just harsh, God? The Bible said stone him. Why? Why the harshness? Because when you look at crimes that were hard and harsh, Things that were done, the punishment had to be the same. Today, why so many things are happening is because people are stroking the hands of those who are doing all types of evil. Evil won't change. Yes, we can do something. There can be some tragedies that happen. But there's a change for so many people that can happen that changes their lives. You see, it's a fool that don't learn from correction. A fool who just keeps going on and on doing the same thing. Nobody can tell me what to do. Make up my own mind. Do my own thing. I ain't listening to nobody. That's a person 
when they won't listen to anybody, is a person setting themselves up for the judgment of God. That's what happened to this young man. He disrespected God. Even the fight was not even brought up. Even the situation, it was that he blasphemed God. How holy is your God to you? How precious is his name to you? The value of human life and the distinction that God makes between people and I said and animals is significant. How seriously does God take his name? Very seriously. If God's judgment to this, this young man that was not even native born, if it applied to him, what in the world then would be for the Israelites who were native born and whom God gave his law? When you think about your life, is there anything that you are currently doing or how you are living that would now result in the death penalty? If God chose now to enact judgment? If God's judgment fell on you today, is there a behavior right now that you are involved in that would result in the death penalty? Many of us like to rely on God's grace. But there are some things that we need to do that simply requires that we take the plunge and say, I am stopping that right now. These parents' hearts had to be heartbroken as the community stoned him for blaspheming the name of God. Remember, God's name is holy and is not to be blasphemed. The distinction between the world and God's people should be just like night and day. If you have been given a standard, and we have, then hold the standard high and let that be seen at all times. If you have a standard, let the standard be seen. Judgment was also to help the community know, now don't do that. <laughs> Judgment is for the purpose of helping the community know, don't do that. When we think about God, and how gracious he's been. We have to say, God, I always want to be on your good side. <laughs> I don't want to be on the other side. I want to be on your good side. How do you get on the good side of God? Let me say this. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior... You can't be on his good side. Let's just start there first. You're already on his bad side. Want to move out of that category as quickly as possible. Not knowing the Lord as Savior means you are already on the side of judgment. And the Lord is simply deciding and waiting before he takes you out. That's one. That's one. You got to get off. You got to get out of that side. How do I get out of that side? I said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry. for. I accept you as my Savior. I want to live for you on the good side. That's it. That quickly. You can do it right where you sit. Quick. And then it is carried out in how you live. Amen. We have many people got it backwards. They are trying to, oh, let me get things right first, and then I'll come to the Lord. I've got some people telling me, i got to work some things out first, Pastor Marcus. Oh, yeah, I just, people telling me, i got to work things out first. No, 
You can't work things out first. You got to get saved first. And then God will work out your stuff for you. Give you the help. So we got to move from the category of being in, in, in God's judgment to the place of being in God's grace and mercy. Now God's judgment side also contains, it has grace in it, but that grace is not always going to be there. You're living under God's provisions. I like what my dad likes to say. He's like on a, hanging over hell on the spider webs. Spider's web just dangling. No, 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 no. Don't move too much. <laughs> yeah, don't move too much. I'm going to say this in, in conclusion. I'm saying a lot of stuff in conclusion. So. <laughs> I'm still concluding. I'm in my concluding remarks. <laughs> I don't like cliffs. I mean, I like looking at them, being up there. But when a person comes close, I say, no, 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 I'm fine right where I'm at. Plenty say, no. I, I can see fine over there. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come close, you get a better look. I don't need a better look up there. I'm fine right where I'm at. There's too many people that's too close to the cliff and they're not ready to go. You see, people are playing next to the cliff and they have nothing to protect them. God wants you to be saved. God expects you to keep his name holy. God is not different from the Old Testament to the New. It's the same God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think people today get to the New Testament and say, Oh, thank the Lord we have a new God. No, you got the same God <clears throat> that, that honors his name. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what many people are banking on. Oh, we, oh thank you. I, I, we got a new God. No, you got the same God. And you get saved the same way. Yeah. The same for everybody. How are you going to treat God? Well, to be on the good graces of God and on the right side, you get saved and then you do what he says. That's it. Do what he says. You want to live an overcoming, victorious life? Just do what God says. And man, he was a, look at my child. He'll bless you. Beyond measure. That's the kind of God that we serve. So what have we learned? We learned that we've got to treat God's name holy. We don't blaspheme his name. God takes his name seriously. Those that won't change judgment is ahead. But oh, when we consider what God has done for us and where God is taking us to, all we need to do is say, Lord, that's the side I want to be on, the obedient side, living in obedience to the word of God and treating the Lord as holy. Final point. When we looked at the man picking up the sticks on the Sabbath and lost his life, the Lord said he was put into custody. What's the issue? The law saying there wasn't a law specifically that Moses had to know what to do. And it is taking and looking at a situation that even in the giving of the law, there were situations that still were brought to the Lord because there was unclear what to do. 
You see, God's word can always be gone to. Moses went to God. He went to the source. We can look at what God is doing. We can look and see how God honors his word and yet how God deals with sin. Remember, sin leads one way and obedience to God leads another. Stand to your feet. As we leave this place today, I wouldn't leave not knowing the Lord. Like I said, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. That's it. And then live for him. Take one minute. Would you just bow your head, please, and close your eyes. If you're contemplating in this place and saying, Lord, I really don't know you. And I want to. I don't want to be on your back, but I want to be able to live in harmony with God. You can do it by saying, Lord, I give you my life today. My life is not my own. <laughs> Talk to me afterwards. Talk to me. Sometimes in a crowd, we sometimes get nervous and scared, don't know what to do. Say, Lord, I accept you. Come and talk to me. Yes. Find one of the ministers, and we can say, how do I walk this life? We started a, a new membership class on this, this day, for those that want to be a part. For six, at least six weeks we're going to be going through. What does it mean to be a part of this church? Yes. What is the expectation? Mm-hmm. Lord, we honor you today, and as we leave this place... You take your name seriously. Your name is not to be blasphemed, as we so clearly see in our study today. When we think of God's holiness, sanctified, holy, set apart for God's exclusive use. Holy, holy, holy. Is what the angels around the throne are saying all day. Holy, holy, holy. If only that young man could have said, Holy is the name of the Lord. Ah, to be in the, in the, in the graces of God is where we want to be. So today we honor and we exalt the matchless, glorious name of God, our Savior. We honor you today and we worship you for who you are, the great and the mighty God who knows all things from beginning to the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the bright and morning star. You are the great I Am. You are God, our banner. We love you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.